starting in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 and there's so much to pack in these four verses but I want to summarize where we've been Um, this letter is written to a young church the apostle Paul writes this letter from a prison to a young church in the city of Colossae that they may grow in maturity to Christ despite cultural pressures that they were experiencing But um, that's very similar to where we're at today. I don't know about you, but I feel this sense of pressure all around me where I, do I act this way? Do I act this way? Should a Christian, you know, be like this? Or, you know, should we, you know, be more accepting? I don't know. Like, I I don't know the answers, but I do feel this pressure that is around us, you know. And so Paul is writing to this church that is, you know, experiencing similar things than that we are, that we have uh, faced, especially these past two years. I'm like, a lot of times I'm looking around, I'm like, I don't even know what's happening, you know. I'm like wondering, like, what do I do? Um, And I know all of you guys have felt that as well, you know. Um, And then the second thing that Paul is hitting on is Christ has began a new kingdom. The foundation for resisting cultural pressure is recognizing that we have been saved from ourselves and now are citizens of a new kingdom established in Christ. The third thing is spiritual maturity is learning to live in that new kingdom. Paul believes that learning to live in the kingdom of Jesus transforms every aspect of our lives. So that was the summary of where we've been and really what this book is trying to teach us. Um, first of all, before I continue, um, if this is your first time, please come back next week because uh, you definitely need to hear from Alex and Cassie and Amanda. I might say some stupid stuff. Hopefully not. I won't. I won't. I won't say anything stupid. Uh, I won't. No. Uh, but uh, uh, definitely uh, come back because this is an awesome community that you know we'd love for you to be a part of. Um, I love every single one here except for that guy. No. Um, <laughs> um, uh, definitely, definitely come back um, because uh, this is a great place to be every Sunday. Um, I love to share stories. I think stories is a um, foundational piece of, of our lives. Like, how many likes a good story, you know? Uh, we all like good stories, and I like to tell stories when it comes to trying to explain Scripture, you know? Because when I'm reading, you know, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, I kind of, I'm like, what does this mean? You know, like, what, I mean, how does this apply to me? You know, it seems very foreign language. I don't talk like that. Um, it's, it can, kind of can seem weird in our everyday life. And I believe stories are a very good way to kind of reveal what, what uh, Jesus was trying to reveal to Paul and then Paul is trying to reveal to us and that we're trying to figure out uh, what to do in our everyday life today. Um, a lot of my stories are like, not like, don't do this. You know, <laughs> they're not stories of like, oh, follow my way. <laughs> They're very much stories of like, this is how I screw up every single day and do the opposite of that. <laughs> so um, a lot of my stories point in, hey, this is what I did. Do what Jesus is telling us to do. <laughs> um, and so this, this first story I have today, uh, we just bought a new house, so which is awesome. It's great. Um, but if a new house, uh, first of all, um, like when we were renting, it, when something went wrong, 
it was just like a maintenance request, right? <laughs> it was like, oh, put in the maintenance request, they'll come and fix it. And then you'd get upset if they weren't fast enough, you know, like, why aren't they so why aren't they fixing this right now? Like this is just such an inconvenience of my life. Um, and then now owning a house, it's like I wish I could put that maintenance request in, but now I have to fix it, you know? And then like when I figure out that we have a problem, it takes me like a week to fix it. So so like I understand those maintenance people now is like, oh, just take a week, you know, then we'll fix it, we'll get to it. Um, but uh, we were having a, um, like a basement flooding issue. So where our, how our driveway is, it kind of slopes towards our garage basement. And every time it rains, first of all, we if you're worried right now, you're like, oh God, it rains. <laughs> you know? We did fix it, so it's fixed now. But before that, we were like trying to do, like you do everything that like try to do the cheapest way first before you pour in a whole m- a bunch of money. So we were like putting gutter extensions on, pointing them towards the street, you know, doing stuff where it's like, ah, oh, like we don't want water going down in our driveway, into our garage, into our basement. And so we just got these gutter extensions and I was putting them on the gutters. And so, and I knew it was going to rain like that night. So I was like, oh, we got, we got to do it. got to point the gutter extensions there. So I pointed the gutter and then there's a, so the streets here, it slopes down. And the problem is when it slopes, it then enters our driveway. There's a storm drain to the right, so it enters our driveway before it gets to the storm drain. Very poor planning on the city's part. I've contacted them, um, but I support them. I'm like, what committee do I need to join to make this work? You know, uh, it's very like Parks and Rec. Rec is becoming real life. You know, you know, do I need to yell? Do I need to complain? Who do I need to talk to? Uh, but anyways, so I point this, the, this gutter extension toward the storm drain because I want the water to flow towards the storm drain. And so there's these two little kid, neighborhood kids who are, our hill, like there's a hill and it's an awesome place to ride scooters down this hill. You know, it's super sweet. And um, I've done it before. No, I haven't done it before. Um, so it's going. And uh, so I, I point the gutter extension towards the storm drain. I'm like, I walk, I'm like, good. I walk in and our uh, bedroom window faces the street. And so I'm sitting down on my desk and I'm looking out the window and the little girl who's riding the scooter like just walks over looks around. She doesn't know I can see her. And she like points it towards my house. <laughs> and I'm like, that little punk, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah, what, like, first of all, she's very brave, you know? <laughs> but, you know, props to her, you know? So then I walk out and I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm not going to make a big deal. So I just kind of like move it back, walk back inside. And then she's just like, <laughs> kicks it back. <laughs> and I'm like, she wants war, you know? And so I walk back outside, and she's kind of, you know, like when you're a, little, when you were a kid and you did something kind of like funny, you're kind of just like in the corner of your eye, you're staring at that person that you just did that thing to. So she's riding down the street in her scooter, and she's just like staring at me, you know? So I walk out, and I'm like, I, I'm like deadlocked on her, and I'm like, I pick up my storm drain, and then I point it back to the street, and I was just like, you know, and after that, she didn't touch it, you know, because I put fear in her life, you know, um, but, you know, I, I think that this, you know, stupid little story kind of points towards this idea of, um, you know, I was establishing this, almost this way of, it's my house and you don't touch it, you know, like, this is my little kingdom, how I'm trying to preserve it, I'm trying to protect it, 
and I'm not really being open and loving to outside annoying little punk teenagers, you know, who's moving my gutter extension. But to be honest, I mean, I could have been like, hey, um, this is why I'm doing it. You know, thanks for being a neighbor and been really nice about it. But I was being petty and I was trying to make a point of don't touch my stuff, you know. <laughs> and I believe that, um, and that's very what I did was easy to do. What I feel like Jesus is calling us to do is harder to teach this person. Because inside, I'm like, she don't care. You know, she's just being, uh, you know, a teenager that's trying to have a good time. But I feel like what Jesus is calling us to is to that harder way sometimes of, hey, thanks for being a neighborhood kid and, and destroying stuff. <laughs> but this is why you do this so water doesn't enter my basement. You can, you know, you know, do whatever you want, but this is why I'm doing it. And I believe that Paul is teaching that, you know, there's this way of the kingdom in heaven that we need to live out on earth. You know, it's not this future, you know, place of, I mean, it is a future place, but, you know, we're not like just waiting for it. You know, we're not like, you know, one day when I get to heaven, it's going to be so great, you know. It's like we can do that now on earth and, you know, live that way towards our neighbors and annoying teenagers, you know. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's a lot of times this choice. There's the, these two, in, in, in Paul's day, there was these two ideas that he was combating. There was the Greek gods, the people who, you know, these pagan worshipers who were trying to you know, how these, these Jewish people were trying to go towards, and or traditional Judaism, where, and they were like, what do I follow? Do I follow the Greek way, or do I follow the, the, the Jewish way? And Paul is saying, no, you follow the Jesus way. You know, there's this, there's this other way, and it's the kingdom of Jesus that he was trying to point out in their lives. Um, so, a lot of times, I, you know, hear this kingdom language, and I'm like, what the heck does that mean? You know, what is, what does it mean by this kingdom? Because that's very foreign to us, because we don't live in a kingdom. We don't live in this, you know, queen and king, the ruling over us. We live in a different type of governmental structure, so we don't really know what Paul was trying to talk about. And a lot of times we think that, you know, this kingdom, this heaven, this futuristic place is us floating with the angels, you know, in this other heightened experience realm. And Paul's not talking about that. You know, he's not saying that, oh, we'll be floating with the angels and, and playing disc golf and having a great, I mean, you might be playing disc golf in heaven. I don't know, but I don't think Paul is saying that, you know, hey, just don't do anything on earth and long for this, you know, angelic self in diapers and, and angels. That's weird, you know. No one wants that. And, um, but it's also not this idea of Lord of the Rings, you know, where you have this, uh, this king who's saying, you know, that a day may come, and it is not this day. We will storm the black gates of Mordor, and we will take the orcs down. That's not what Paul's talking about either. I think really what Paul's talking about is this normal self of living, of living life like we do every day in the mundanes of life, in enjoying what Christ has given us, but then also being a good neighbor to people that we love and like, and also people that are annoying and that we don't like, you know? And that is so hard, because it's easy to be like, what's wrong with you? Like, why? Like, or just, like, cast them aside, like, I'm not going to even, like, worry about you or even let you in my life. You know, so... 
Um, all this happened because of the fall. If you don't know what the fall is, that happened in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read the story of the fall. It starts in Genesis chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. Well, first of all, when I'm reading this, I want you to really just like picture this scene. I think times when we're reading scripture, we kind of just like, it's like, like almost unattainable. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a story. It might be real. It might not be real. It might be figurative. It might be, you know, just creative imagery that this writer wrote. But I want you to really picture this scene of what the Genesis writer is laying out of, you know, the separation that happened between us and God. Because it was truly a separation. You know, we were once with God, and now we're separated because of the sin and destruction that we caused on this earth. So it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now the woman said to the serpents, we may, not, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent said, you will not, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then their eyes were both open and they realized that they were naked. So they sued fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man said to his wife, sorry, verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And this is like heartbreaking, verse 9. Like this is such a heartbreaking experience because I think deep down we've experienced this with our own sin, with our own shame, with our own destructive behavior, that when we know we did something that was hurtful to someone else, or even ultimately hurtful to God, because every time we sin, we mess up, that really hurts God because he loves us so much. He, he created us and has a plan for us. And so when we sin against him, there is this almost heartbreak on God's part of, man, I love you, and what you're doing is destruct destruction for you, and it's separating me from you. You know, it's causing these two different kingdoms, my kingdom, my thoughts, what I want, and what is God's plan, the good way, the good path, his plan. It says, but the Lord called to the man and the woman, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You know, I'm going to so focus on this part a little bit. When we sin and we cause destruction in our lives, what that does is that has separates us from God, but it really also separates us from one another. Because when I sin, when I mess up, I don't want to be around Alex, who maybe like maybe will help me in that or, or, or lead me to something that's better or really help me be like, hey, Justin, this is not the plan that God has for you. I don't want to be around him because he's going to say that. You know, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be around community who's going to help me through those issues and the things that I'm dealing for. He's going to call out in me saying, hey, there's a better path, a better plan, and it's Jesus's kingdom for your life. And that is loving Jesus and loving those people that are around you, your friends, your enemies, your, your, your other, you know, people 
people that God has put in your life. So after the fall, we have tried to hide certain areas of our life. And what does this do? It creates two kingdoms. It's the human struggle, which is our kingdom, and God's kingdom. You know, the, the, the Jesus kingdom, the planet he has for our life. And this also brings shame and constant worry. Am I in right standing with God? Am I in right standing? I mean, you all thought that, right? Am I in God good? You know, are we good today, Lord? I used to think as a kid all the time, like, oh man, I better pray to God right now, <laughs> you know, because if the, if the rapture were to happen, then I'm going to be here left behind and all my family and friends are going to be in heaven and I'm going to be like, oh, I missed it, you know. Um, or, or if I, or I don't know if you've heard, if, you, if some of you grew up in church, um, this is a very weird thing where like the preacher might say like, if you were to die tonight, you know, it's so weird, you know, like it's not like healthy biblical view of what God wants us to live on earth. Yes, we will mess up. We will sin, but God still loves us. He died for us. And he has created a new kingdom here on earth despite our sin. That's saying, hey, you're going to mess up. I still love you. I got you. And I accept you, you know, just run towards me, follow me, love me, you know. And I think that there's this, this constant shame and worry. That doesn't, that's not, Jesus doesn't want that in his kingdom. That's not how he designed it. And so Paul, starting in verse 1 in Colossians, says, Since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seat at the right hand of God. You know, because we were raised with Christ. So, he, again, he's not talking about this future heaven, you know, that we'll, in this moment that we'll be experiencing. He's talking about, hey, live this way right now. How you would live in heaven, this tension of, yes, heaven is where we're all ultimately going, you know, that God is establishing. But do that now. Don't just live your life maybe a, a horrible way or a judgmental way. Because I don't know about you, I've met some Christians who are, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think that's what God is calling us to do is really worry about maybe some of the, the, the things that we're all struggling with. It's loving him and just truly being a friend, you know, to others. You know, it's, it's, I might call out to someone and be like, hey, I don't think this is maybe the best path for you, but regardless, I still love you. You know, I, regardless, I'm still going to be your friend. Regardless, I'm still going to get coffee with you. I'm still going to, you know, um, go, uh, do uh, take to go to the dog park with my dog with you or whatever you know I'm still gonna just live this life with you even though we are our maybe vision or our thinking might not be aligning you know so after his um, because we were raised with Christ we should act just as Jesus did uh, when he was resurrected after his resurrection Jesus left the tomb and so should we we don't live there anymore and what that means is like our old self has died. You know, the, our old way of thinking, our selfish thoughts, our maybe um, our, our thoughts of I'm going to do what's right for me and hopefully others see how awesome I am. But no, I'm actually going to act, worry about others and love others and their well-being 
because that's what Christ has called us to. So our old, selfish, and even sinful, because Jesus does, you know, attack the sin in our life, you know. He does try to root that out and say, hey, what, how you're singing and what you're singing about is not the way of Christ. Our old way is gone, and we don't have to live in that shame and constant worry anymore. We can be, we can walk out of that tomb in a sense, you know. We could, we can exit the tomb just like Jesus did in our shame and our guilt and our fear, and after his resurrection, Jesus spent, and I love this part, like this is, and I think we all love it because we all like, you know, hanging out with friends and having a good party, but re- literally after Jesus' resurrection, he spent his remaining time being with his friends on earth, his disciples, and so should we. So again, when we have accepted Christ, because it says right here, now that you have accepted Christ, he is your Lord, he is the one that you are following, we're not separating ourselves from the world. We're not building this tall ivory tower and be like, look at all those sinners, you know? Though we are so much better. No, we're following what Jesus said, and it's actually being amongst everyone, our friends, even though we might think, act, and live differently. It's not called to leave and, um, you know, separate. It's our, it's, we're actually called to live and love those around us. So, um, like I said, we bought a house, and one thing I have taken a lot of pride in is the way my house looks, you know? And uh, almost every, not this Saturday, so if anyone comes to our house from Church, my lawn is not mowed this Saturday. So I did not mow this my lawn. But normally we mow our, our, uh, my, uh, we mow our lawn every Saturday, and, um, you know, I'll mow it, and our, on the right side we have a shared kind of grassy spot that we share for a neighbor, and the other day, I, um, last week, I found deep inside of me that, you know, I'm going to mow my side. They need to mow their side. <laughs> you know, you know, and they're going to see how awesome my side looks. And they're going to look and be like, man, why can't my grass look like that, guys? <laughs> you know, um, and, and, uh, and so I did. I, I actually did that. And I mowed my grass. And there is a clear defining line of, this is my property line. And that is their property line. <laughs> and so Sam, she's she's amazing. Uh, if you don't know her, she is great. She was like, "What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, why didn't you mow their yard? You know, in 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 her defense, their yard is not very big either. So I, it was very again, don't do what I do. You know, um, it, it it was not very big. I could have easily took like another 10 minutes and just mowed their yard. But I created excuses. I'm like, you know, like when you live in Kansas City, Missouri, you only get two trash bags to put on the curb. If I do their yard, it's, I'm going to have to do a third one and I'm going to leave it in my garage. It's going to smell like gra- grass and just, you know, inconvenient on my part, you know. But really, I think what Jesus is calling me to do is, you know what? Mow your grass, the neighbor's grass, even if there's inconvenience. That is, again, showing the, what Jesus' kingdom is here on earth, you know? And I, and I feel like what I was doing was I was creating my own kingdom. And I was wanting my neighbors to have the same thoughts and the same almost kingdom mentality that I did. But that's not my job. My job is to 
be a good neighbor and maybe mow their grass, may, talk to them, you know, and be like, hey, you know, be that old man on the street, be like, hey, how's it going? You know, your, you know, your, your house looks great, your yard looks great, and uh, not lie. I don't, you know, we're not supposed to lie, but I think, <laughs> do you want me to help you? You know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think, I think. Jesus is calling us to live that higher kingdom mentality, even though it might be inconvenient on my part. Even though I might be tired, I might want to, you know, a quicker drink right after I mow my grass. But again, Jesus is saying, hey, just take a couple, 10 more minutes and, and help your neighbor out. Show the love of Christ because that is where Christ is seated above. You know, that is where we're looking towards and we're trying to establish that kingdom here on earth. It says in verse 2 and 3, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, right? You have died. Um, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So the enemy's main attack on our life is our thoughts. Right? He likes to speak... Uh, lies to us, and really, if we uh, believe those lies, they really establish what our thoughts are, and then how we live our life. And so, again, back to my yard, I was really thinking, like, man, I'm so much, I'm so much a better neighbor than my neighbors. Like, look at that. I mean, that's very prideful. Like, I am better because I take care of my yard uh, on a timely manner. I uh, put little rocks out front so it looks pretty. But again, like, that's not how I should think. That is the enemy putting this lie of me being superior over my neighborhood. And if we look at history, that is everywhere. If we look at these crazy tyrants that rise up and have these thoughts of, I am better than these groups of people. Or this, like, you know, um, even America, where we enslaved a group of people because they're not as good. And you see how simple that thought can raise up? I mean, it's, it's not very far from this thought of, I am mowing my grass to really show that I'm better than those around me. That's where that comes from, that pride, that self-pride of, man, why can't others be like us? But again, we're not called or even told. Jesus never told us to change others like that. Jesus loves diversity, other way of thinking, and other way of living. We're just called to be a family and friends to those around us, even if they're drastically different than us. Again, Sam is so much better where she's like, let's have a barbecue. Like, let's have people over. And if I'm going to be honest, my first thought of, man, that seems like a mess at the cleanup. You know, it does. I'm like, I'm like, ah, like, ah, that seems like more trash at the put out, you know. But again, Christ has called us to love those around us regardless of maybe a few extra plates that we have to clean up. And if I'm going to be real honest, sometimes I think about that with microchurch. I'm going to hit home, right? And that's why some of, like, if, if maybe God has said, hey, man, I want to start a microchurch, do it. And you might have excuses of inconvenience that, oh, it's not a good day here, it's not a good day here, or I have to clean up my house. Man, that's okay. People are gracious and loving, and they will come to a messy house, you know? It, like, if you come to our house, it's, um, it's actually perfect, because Sam makes it perfect. <laughs> but everything I do is messy and awful, but, like, our house has 
crazy kids running around and, and loud noises, but I think Jesus is okay with that. The imperfection of life. I think, I think actually Jesus looks at that and says, man, things aren't perfect, and I love them so much. You know, it might be a little chaotic in Justin's life, but, you know, he's trying, which I really am trying. <laughs> it's hard sometimes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the enemy goes after our thoughts because he is the father of lies, and he wants our thoughts to live out those lies. And then this other part that, that says right here, that says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Again, that is not, we are hidden in Christ, so we need to live away and separate from mess. I really think what, that, what Paul is saying here is, you know, it, almost like um, when my children are scared, when, when there's maybe uh, something that they're fearful of, they, they kind of hide behind me, but God, it's a sense of protection. That, hey, you can live in the mess with your neighbors, with your friends that are drastically different than you, and God is there to protect you. Our life is hidden with God. Again, it, it, it's that, do you see the difference there? It's not hidden like we're trying to hide from that situation. No, we're living in that mess. We're living in that inconvenience. And because God is so good, he is protecting us through it. You know, that doesn't mean not to be like, like, you know, irresponsible certain things, you know, like, uh, don't let the snake bite you, you know, type thing. But it, it, it also means that, like, we, God got our back. He is with us. Our life is hidden with him. Living in God's kingdom sounds great until it becomes inconvenient. You know, I, th- I think that's why maybe, I'm not going to talk about you, but with me, why I don't do certain things with people. Maybe why I'm hesitant some weeks where it's like, man, it'd be so much easier to cancel microchurch, you know, and, that, and that's okay to do sometimes. I'm not, I'm not condemning that, but um, th- there's a sense of, you know, I would rather keep it safe and almost be arm's length distance to relationships and mess. Like kind of be near it where it's like, oh, I see it. I'm not removed from it, but I'm, I'm this close to it. Where again, I think Jesus wants us in proximity of that mess and in that inconvenience where we can actually wrap our arms around it and be in amongst that craziness. But I tend to be like, I'll be this close, you know? I'll be this close to others. I'll be this close to messy situations. Partly because sometimes I just don't know what to say. Like, let's be real. A lot of times we maybe don't want to get coffee with someone even though that they're struggling because it's just like, ugh. Like, I don't know what to say to those people. You know, inconvenience points to love and grace of God. So I'm going to read... Uh, reread Colossians 3, 1 through 4. One story I really want you to, to read when you, maybe throughout this week is Luke chapter 10. I don't have time to read it today, but this is a great story that points to um, inconvenience in Christ's love. But it's Luke, write this down if you, if, if you want to read it. If you don't want to read it, then you don't have to. <laughs> but it's Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through 37. That's the story of the, the Good Samaritan. Or, you know, there was a priest, a Levite, who really, again, what I said, arm's length apart, they saw inconvenience of like, oh, I could help my fellow Jewish brother out, but I'm going to kind of, I have somewhere to go, 
They have somewhere to be. And this person who uh, was drastically different came and helped this individual. So I challenge you to read that. Uh, but I'm going to reread this. And then I have a practice that I also want you to do throughout the week. But let's reread Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So really what my challenge to you, um, every day, I would do this. I do the, we do this every day at our home. We do the Lord's Prayer. And what's really cool about this is, so we know we have three kids. We have Ezekiel, Avery, Ellie, and they know this prayer by heart now. If you were to ask them what's the Lord's Prayer, they might be shy, so don't test them. <laughs> but uh, hopefully they do it, right? But if you were, if you were to ask them <coughs> what's the Lord's Prayer, they can say it by heart. And so I'm going, to read, I'm going to read this. And while I'm reading this, if you all can just close your eyes where you're at. You know, be seated. Just reflect on how this verse can drastically um, affect your day. Or maybe when you read in the morning, how this could help your day. And then, or read at night and reflect on how your day was. And what did God do in my day today? So I'm going to read this. And my challenge to you is read this, this prayer every single day, because I think it will align our hearts and our vision on the kingdom of what Jesus is trying to establish in our neighborhood, within our friends, within our enemies, that what Jesus is trying to do is at the heart of this prayer. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I think not our kingdom, his kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. to the Midtown Church Weekly Podcast. To find out more or to join a church gathering, check out our website at midtownkc.church.